I had a moment about a year ago when a friend's husband brought something to light completely accidentally, but also intentionally as it related to the conversation, but um, accidentally as it related to my aha awareness as a result of the conversation. So the last four years of my life have been um, a series of changes, really major changes in my life. And this cycle of change came to a place about a year ago where I was starting to recognize lifelong patterns as a result of how I responded to these changes. And one of those massive awarenesses, and the one that my friend's husband brought to light, was a response that I would have when someone needed me. So if somebody needed me, they could call me and they knew that I would be there, which I was framing as I'm a dependent person. But what was really happening was that that longing to be needed was in fact a habit as a way of feeling safe, secure, loved, and validated. So when someone would say, Jace, I need your help, I would get all excited and be like, how can I help you? I'd be honored to help you. Of course I'm here for you. How can I support you? And that tendency to be a caregiver was stemming from habits of codependency. And I knew nothing, nothing at all about codependent relationships, codependent dynamics, codependent tendencies, codependent behaviors. I knew nothing about that until about a year ago. And there was a certain scenario a year ago where a friend got in some pretty big trouble and his son was in a pickle and his son was only a couple years old. And he had called to help him. He'd called me to help him out. And of course, my natural response was, yes, how can I help you? And how can I take care of the situation on your behalf while you're in a pickle? Well, the next day, I had a conversation with my friend's husband regarding the situation. And he said, I'm not clear why that was your responsibility. I said, well, what do you mean? I'm close to this family. I, What do you mean? Like, I, I take care of this child on a regular basis. What do you mean? And he's like, that's just not your responsibility. He's, He said, I find it odd that it was put on you in the way that it was put on you, and quite frankly, it makes me uncomfortable. That shouldn't be your responsibility. And in that moment, I, you know, my immediate response was, I automatically went, not defensive, like negatively defensive, but I defended the way in which I was behaving by saying, well, isn't this my role? Isn't this my role to, to kind of, not to be that in that scenario, but if I'm the caretaker of a child, wouldn't you call me? 
You know what I mean? If I was the regular caretaker of someone. And the the question popped up and I thought, well, that just seems strange. So I, I kind of defended the behavior in that way because in my mind, it just made sense. But then suddenly it clicked and I saw what he saw and I understood why he was questioning this and why he was saying, hey, take a look at that. And suddenly I realized, oh my gosh, when people call me, I drop everything and go running, whether it's in my best interests or not. Part of my, you know, Midwestern upbringing taught me to care for your neighbor, be the girl to lend a hand, be a team player. Part of my work training as a young uh, professional was all around service. How can you anticipate need and how can you over deliver uh, for wow factor, all that kind of stuff. So all of these pieces of my life were coming into my regular life. And what I had to look at was how it was impacting my choices to create healthy boundaries in my life. So the scenario came up and it played out as it would normally play out. Somebody's in trouble, they need help, they call me, I come running, I help them. They're relieved, I feel needed, I feel validated, I feel cared for and loved. And the cycle begins, and the cycle repeats, and the cycle goes on. Well, then last year it was like, boom, breaks. And suddenly I realized, oh my gosh, my entire life I've been doing this. I reflected on my last major relationship. I was in a relationship with an alcoholic, codependent. I was in these scenarios with friends, family, everything. I would always come running because for some reason I needed to feel validated or secure through this need. And what I recognized was that that was my way of securing love. And this was probably the saddest awareness when when this came to light for me. I did not believe, and this stems back to my childhood, when my mom got remarried, we really had a tough go. We really had a tough go. It was one of the hardest transitions of my life. It was not a very good situation in my home and she really just didn't want me she didn't want me and I thought okay if the one like although she was a really wonderful mother you know not to discount her being a wonderful mother but it was clear that she was over it and choosing her husband over me and I was thinking wow that sucks if your mom can leave you anyone can leave you, right? So I had to work extra hard to ensure that my friends and family knew that they could count on me because I wanted to know that if I did enough for them, they could in turn potentially show up for me if I needed them. That was a really 
big breakthrough moment. It really came to light. And boy, did the light ever shine on all of that. And that was when I really looked at my patterns, my habits, the way I was living, how I, how I engage with people, how I participate in the relationship. Many of my relationships were one-way relationships for the most part. I mean, the, you know, there's nurturing and, and nice engagements back and forth, and there's fun and play and all that kind of stuff. But when it really came down to, does that person show up for me like I show up for them? Not that that's the expectation. I want to be clear about that. But like, is it even? Are we talking about a give and take relationship or are we talking about a relationship that's a take, take, take? And it's fueling me because I feel needed. That was a big question. So when I looked at these relationships, I realized rather quickly that many of the dynamics in my life, many of the friendships that I carried, many of the ways of being, habits of living, had a big shadow on it, had a huge shadow of this codependent dynamic and this over-caring and over-identifying thing. I had a job that I, with, well, and I shouldn't even say just a job. Any time that I was on a team, in a relationship, part of a, an organization, a job, I was all in. I was all in. And what I would do is chameleon in, and I would be whatever they needed me to be, in whatever capacity that was, I'd be their greatest cheerleader, living my best life when actually what I was doing was completely conforming to a way in which I would be received and accepted and and allowed um, in like I would be accepted period I would be liked and that became a common thing and I thought oh my gosh where the heck does this come from? And it really went back to that scenario of where I felt deeply denied by the one, by my mother, the one who I thought would never deny me. And in that denial, I thought, man, if she can do it, anybody can do it. So how am I going to, how am I going to trust that people will come to my aid if I need them because I can't do life alone? What does that look like? How do, I, how do I know who's going to show up? And then without even realizing it, I was creating a bank of time or a bank of deeds as a security blanket so that in the event I needed somebody, there would be this bank of, look at all the shit I did for you, please show up for me once which is not a healthy thing to live in, but that was the reality of what I was doing. I was hoping that if I showed up enough for them, if I needed them, if I came to the point where I would have to ask for help, because mind you, I never like being in that very vulnerable situation of having to ask for anything from anyone because it's just too risky. And yes, I am, I'm working on that. Um, that piece right there 
that was a big one. I was like, oh my gosh, if I ask for help, if I need someone, it would be a big deal. And I would really, really, really need it. So if I even got to the place in which I needed it, I would hope that I had helped them enough so that they would then help me. None of that's healthy. But that was the reality and that's what came to light about a year ago. So this last year I have been working diligently on understanding what the root of these behaviors are, where they stem from, how come they're there, how I can fix them, how I can overcome and recreate new habits, recreate new ways of being. And I have to be completely honest. No one knows me today the way they think they do. Because I have truly, truly developed and blossomed in a way over this last year that has put me into a place of some stability. I'm not even going to say that all of these behaviors or patterns are solidified because that, I mean, I'm undoing 42 years worth of habit, 42 year. Well, let's just be, let's just be on the soft side of that. Let's say 30 years, let's say 30 years of rebuilding habit. That's a lot. I think we both would agree. So a year later, I'm in, I'm just now coming into the, the steps that it takes in order to recreate new habits. And that's what I've been working on in the last three months. Understanding what they are, having them come into my awareness of that they're present, understanding what they root from and where they come from and how to overcome it, and then creating new habits to support the new behavior. That is not a small task. It is not a small deal. And I, I share this because I think that there are a lot of people who think that doing this level of deep work is something that can be rushed. And I'm here to say it cannot be rushed. And it has to be honored and held in a way that is mindful of what you need at all times in order to move into the new space you're desiring to move into. And for me, I ended up having to create space from an old environment to a new environment because I knew that I would fall into old habit, old pattern without question. I just would do it because that's all I knew and that's all I knew how to do and I knew that if I didn't create like take myself completely out of the old and put myself somewhere completely new as a forcing function to help me automatically create new patterns habits rituals whatever I wouldn't be as successful so I chose last year, it was a little over a year ago, I came to Bali just to come here for three months. And then I thought, all right, 
I'll come here for three months. I'll, I'll get some new habits in place and then I'll be fine. Well, the awareness was all that I did in the first three months. Understanding the, the weight and the heaviness and the, the, the size of what I was looking at, that was what I worked on for three months. Understanding where it came from was what I worked on for three months. Then I took some time, continued the work, and then uh, came back to do another deep dive into really the really scary deep emotional stuff. <laughs> I call it scary. It's not really that scary, but it's definitely the stuff that I wouldn't do on my own. I had to hire a coach. I hired two coaches, actually, to help me go where I wasn't going to go on my own. Because let's face it, when you do deep emotional work, it's not easy stuff to look at. There's usually pain involved. There's usually, you know, stuff that you just would rather not dig up. But it lives in the system, it lives in the tissue, and you got to get the issue out the tissue. So it's important to me not to carry around old emotion. It's important to me not to carry around old, you know, sadness, resentments, pains, whatever, emotional issues. I don't want to carry them. I want to look at them, learn from them, heal from them, and move forward. And I was carrying around a lot from when I was younger, but I didn't know. I just didn't even know. And it was this event last year that was a forcing function for me to take a look at it. And thank goodness that my friend's husband had the courage to ask me and say, like just share his opinion. All it was was him sharing his opinion of saying, yeah, that makes me uncomfortable and I don't know why they did that, question mark. I'm glad he said something because had he not that aha moment wouldn't have happened and the big shift wouldn't have taken place. I was so grateful for that. So I wanted to share the story because tonight I'm actually um, going to be a guest on another podcast to discuss this very thing and to discuss how my over-identification, my over-caring habits you know, between the two of those, really was running my life. Because I was really allowing for other people to dictate. And me, this was me dictating everything. Don't get me wrong. I would allow for other people to dictate my time because my ultimate need was to feel secure and needed. And if I felt needed, I felt secure. Secure, not like I felt safe. That's the word, safe and secure. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I definitely know there are levels of this happening all over the world. You know, there's levels of this happening everywhere. And for me, when I thought about codependency, I thought about really, uh, how would I describe it? Really, um, hmm, deeply... How would I say this? When I thought about codependency, I thought about it as just really whack. (laughs) Whack is the word. Deeply disrupted. Really non-functional. Like when I think about a crack house, I think about that. 
or when I think about somebody who's a severe alcoholic who can't even get off the couch and has a stained wife beater on. That's what I think about. I don't think about it as, oh, it's me over-identifying and chameleoning in to a role at work. Didn't think of that. Oh, it's me just knowing that maybe my partner is an alcoholic, but I hope he gets through it. And maybe I stand by him while he finds his way. Didn't think about that. Didn't think about how supporting someone can actually be enabling them further in whatever their addiction may be, whether it's addiction to drugs or alcohol or whether it's another addictive behavior. Didn't think of that. So when I thought about it, I thought about it as a super extreme situation. I didn't think about it as a commonly, a common thing, and not to say that it's that common, but it is pretty common. Over-identification and over-care is a response to something else, and it's showing up in codependent dynamics. So I wanted to share the story, because I'm going to share it again tonight on another podcast, and um, I felt that it was important to share it on my own as well. If you have the tendency to over-identify, like you chameleon into your job or your relationship or whatever, uh, if you have the tendency to overcare, you know, your caring is in whatever capacity, way over the top of what it would normally be. But if you don't know normal, you're not going to necessarily recognize this. So just take some time to look at your relationships. Take some time to look at the dynamics in your life. Really evaluate them and ask yourself. Are these balanced? Are they healthy? And what am I getting from this? What am I getting from this relationship? And it's not to say, I want to also be very clear, it's not to be like, oh, what can I get from everything? It's not like that. It's just really evaluate and understand how things prioritize in your life, how they hold weight, and what you're receiving from it whether it's directly from that person or from the person giving you something by being needed or cared for or whatever. Really evaluate those things. Sit down with yourself and think about that as we move into this next year because it was such an eye-opening experience. It changed my entire life and I've had to redefine everything in my life. I don't want to make it sound like it's a huge project, but I really had to redefine everything. I had to redefine how I was going to engage with people. I had to redefine what my boundaries were because before I had none, zero boundaries. You could call me in the middle of the night and tell me to get on a plane and I would do it. Zero boundaries. I just didn't have any. So look at all of these different things and decide are these healthy? Are they supportive? Are they balanced? Are they even something you want anymore? How do you want to be treated? How do you want people to treat you? Is it an even give and take? For the most part, right? So I give you that today. Good luck. It's a big job.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Between the Photos. A quick, insightful look at the real work that happens between the photos on my Instagram feed. It is truly my digital diary and my expression of the things that I am moving through, thinking about, contemplating, considering, learning from, experiencing. And these subjects, these matters of the heart are things that may impact other people in this world. So I created this podcast as a way of talk therapy to work them out with myself out loud. And in essence, helping others work it out within themselves. Thank you for listening. If you're called to share this with someone, please do. Because you never know how these words, these transmissions will impact another human. Have a great day and I love you. Thanks for listening.